0: and trying times are you discussing because there's so many different factors happening right now
1: yeah um, my response to that is yes yes all of it
2: yeah all of it uh we were just discussing how it's only right that tonight's yankee game was canceled by rain after a whole weekend was canceled by covid after getting swept by the race i mean this has just been the worst week ever
1: yeah it. uh you go five days without yankee baseball for yankee fans and then it finally comes back in 2020 and it's totally fitting for 2020 to do this just says nope rain i remember on opening day like finally getting baseball back and then it's like five and a third right innings like not even that because a rain comes and yeah on opening day yes (laughs) come on man that that should have been a sign of just like i was surprised they didn't just say yeah this isn't gonna work we're just gonna call it now
2: (laughs) Now, baseball god spoke to us they don't want us to play this year
1: yeah, that's I but I feel bad for Yankee guys to wait so long to have it come Honestly, back.
0: Honestly, They're, the weather takes it they're away. doing everything in the power to make sure that this season should get cancelled and Rob Manfred's just like, Yeah, I don't see anything. There's there's no problems. Nothing. Nothing's going on. You know, let's just continue. Let's let's do it. So here we are. Um no Yankees baseball all weekend, which actually, for me, I have to admit, it was kind of nice because I was in an area without service for a while. I was in the Adirondack Mountains, and that was nice to not have to worry about, did I miss a Brett Gardner home run?
2: Oh, you would never be forgiven for that.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> what am I going to do about my date with my uh, Allison Case reaction videos to Brett Gardner home runs? Like, that's, that's one of the peaks of – Yankee games on Twitter which doesn't really have any if the other outside of that there are like few peaks of Yankees Twitter during games
0: yes ah yes I'm so happy you said that this makes me feel so special
1: (laughs) because it's just such positivity everything else is just so down in the dumps I guess that's like one thing I mean, most people know I was a Yankee fan last year. Then I got the top of the Nets and I've sort of like taken on this broad approach to baseball, like just looking at different games and different teams and everything. Probably the team I follow most closely is the nationals just because I I did work for them. Right. But I, I follow so many Yankee fans on Twitter because of like, that's who I interacted with last year and man, it's ugly. They're just down in the dumps this year. James, I'm glad that you're a part of Padres Twitter now because they oh my seem God. so happy.
2: Padres Twitter is amazing. I honestly yeah. I thought all of baseball Twitter was going to be like Yankees Twitter. Oh, where you have, so you have your standouts. You have your your Max Greenfields, your Allison Cases, your James Kellys who are just like, hey, we love baseball. We're just trying to have fun with this. Yeah. And then everyone else is just this pit of despair, this DFA Gary Sanchez trade for JT
1: Real Muto. Ridiculous like, trade proposal all the time oh yeah
2: no i i actually wrote down a list this week it's the first time oh, i've my ever God. actually written down a list I of th- things I, that i want to make sure we hit
1: I, I can't imagine how bad the trade proposals are on there and i i'm sure i've seen most of them but i doubt i've seen all of them
2: i'm avoiding them i didn't write down any specific ones on purpose because i was like i just i can't do it i can't do it to myself this is just yeah. it's too much it's, it's too much so to talk bad. about but I, I was, all right <laughs>
1: I'm sure yeah, I'm sure you should probably introduce the show, actually. Yeah, that's that's done.
2: how every time we have yeah. someone on, I forget to introduce the show because we just start talking. And half the time yes. when it's just me and Allison, I forget to introduce the show because we just start talking. <laughs> but uh, this is episode 69 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, nice. and Warwick Gaming, as always brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. Uh, the first thing that I had on my super fancy list that's, I, I mean, I honestly... I thought I forgot how to write things down with all the typing I've been doing. I don't think I've actually written something down in like six months since I stopped working in the office for sure. But um, first thing was Yankees you know, got swept by the Rays and it's just, that's where the pit of despair starts.
1: I, what I would say, like, listen, the Rays in a 60 game season, they're perfectly designed for a 60 game season because their pitching mm. staff is built around basically a three headed beast of Morton, Glasnow and Snell and like that's perfect for a 60 game season and then they just come at you with a plethora of bullpen arms who are just insane so like yes the Yankees are what 1 in 5 1 in 1 in 6 against 1 in the, 6
2: against Tampa yeah,
1: this year listen if they played them 19 times i'm sure that they probably win 12 of like the next you know 14-ish games right like I'm sure that would be a possibility but just a small sample size yeah the Rays are a good team and they outplayed the Yankees does it suck like yeah sure I I remember time chiming into I think one of the games and just being like yeah I mean this would be miserable to watch right now if you're watching all this
2: it's been kind of rough watching Yankees baseball this year just because like there's this with the expanded playoffs, there's just this kind of expectation that no matter what happens, we're just going to be in the playoffs anyway. So this game, like these games really don't matter all that much as long as you don't lose too many of them and it becomes a complete train wreck. But it's just, I don't know, there's just something about it that's I'm having a hard time really investing until the games actually start to mean something.
0: I think the other thing too is um, I've literally always hated watching the Yankees play the I'm not sure if it was just because of the drop, I I don't know if that's the case, but for some reason, they remind me of one of those teams that's just scrappy and always finds a way to beat the Yankees, regardless of whether they're the better team or not. This year, they honestly do look like they're the better team. The Yankees just can't figure it out whenever they play the Rays, and I know it's only been seven games, but still, uh, like Max said, in a shortened season, these are important games, and also the Rays are definitely suited for this type of season like this is their opportunity right now because the 162 game seasons they've made it very clear that they go through some pretty significant struggles and they struggle early so the fact that they're starting strong and beating the Yankees and the Yankees have no answer for anything it's just it's tough to watch it really is.
1: I think a couple things have struck me with the Rays. Yes, their pitching staff is perfectly designed, as I said, for the 60-game season, right? They've just got so many bullpen arms, and somehow they have turned into just this factory of, like, we'll take anybody and turn them into a good reliever. I don't know how they do it. Like, I would love to know how, but they're good at that. The other is that I think people kind of forgot that Brandon Lau is a very good baseball player, like – He's having an incredible – start and he had an incredible start last year too, but then he got hurt and he would just wasn't really the same. But people kind of forgot just how good of a baseball player he was and that he was probably going to win the AL Rookie of the Year if he didn't get hurt. And so people were just like, who's this Brandon Lau guy? And I was like, you know he torched the Yankees last year too, right? Like, he's not coming out of nowhere and doing this. He was good last year. But, yeah, I mean, yes, it's it's always, like, depressing when a team gets swept – as I've had to deal with plenty whenever I watch the Nationals this year, they've not been playing the best baseball, but that's okay. Uh, so it's, it's sort of depressing, but the Yankees are still what, 16 and nine. There's as James said, it's sort of this, the attitude of like the Yankees has been like these games don't really matter. Like we have Garrett Cole going game one of every series that we play in the playoffs. We feel pretty good about whatever series we play in. And that's like for better or for worse, like, that's kind of the truth. Like the teams, like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros and the Rays and the A's even are sort of under this implication. Like we're going to make the, in the twins, like those six teams are sort of like, we're just going to make the playoffs and whatever happens, happens. Like it doesn't really matter. We're, we're going to make it. And I'm not really going to care too much. And sure. That kind of takes away from like the quality of the product. And that's sort of a concern for the expanded playoffs is just like, it diminishes the quality of the product on the field in the regular season, especially if it happens in the future. But in a 60-game season, I get it. Like, it's just such a crapshoot as it is already. I mean, look at the Angels. Like, people were talking about them potentially being a playoff team. and no, It's not going worst, so well. Yeah, they have the worst winning percentage in baseball as of right now. Like, that's – They're is, losing again, too. They're about to lose
2: their second game to the, to the Astros of the doubleheader today.
0: Uh, that's not –
1: it's not really doing good for me when I said people should look out to the angels and that they've just been doing terrible. Yeah, I,
0: I believe I said the same thing. So honestly, yeah, like a bunch, <laughs>
1: a bunch of smart people were just like, the angels can be really good. And then everyone was just like, it's sort of like the same with Matt Boyd. Everyone thought Matt Boyd was going to be, and I'm, oh, I'm, oof. I'm a, I'm a failure for this. He had a 30% strikeout rate last year. And I was like, you have to be really good to get a 30% strikeout rate. But the problem was his stuff took a tick back. Didn't see that coming. And uh, yeah, he's been getting kind of hammered a bit this year. So that Your has Dark that.
2: Horse Cy Young candidate. Yeah,
1: my Dark Horse Cy Young and the, my Dark Horse MVP candidate isn't doing that much better either. So uh, it's been a. I told people, like, 60 game season, don't make too many predictions. I should have listened to myself <laughs> because every prediction I have made has been wrong.
0: It's so, like, honestly, we are set up to make predictions the way we are the the baseball writers. We are set up to make predictions for a 162-game season. We are prepared for that type of season, and the fact that it is just 60 games really kind of eliminates, you really can't, you don't know what to expect, to be completely honest. I mean, it could be whatever, but looking at 162 games, I mean, you could easily say, yeah, the Yankees are going to struggle for the first two months, but then they're going to play out the entire rest of the season. A few injuries like, like you know what's gonna happen. sixty games I had no clue
1: yeah that's that's the right that's the right responses. I just don't know, yeah, <laughs> don't. for what it's worth i I trashed,
2: trashed Dylan Bundy going to the Angels. I was like, does this guy really think like they're gonna get this guy as a fifth starter and he's gonna help round out that absolutely dog shit rotation
1: and <laughs> he's been to his of credit, pictures he, of baseball, <laughs> yeah he's been really good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's such a, like. Did anybody see Mike Yastrzemski possibly being a front runner for the National League MVP? No. No, was, I like him a lot, but I, I would have never like, said MVP. Yeah, exactly. Like I like Yastrzemski. I was like, yeah, he's clearly the Giants' best player. Like it's not even a debate. But it's, it's not a very high
2: compliment though. They don't have no, a lot of good players, right? No, they now. don't.
1: They don't. Somehow, but they're in the eighth seed right now. Like if they play, if the season ends today, they would make the playoffs, which is mind blowing, but. <laughs> Again, I don't. A 60 game season, I will say, like, it's for the most part by the end of the year. I mean, I expect the teams to be at the top are, like, again, the Astros, Dodgers, Yankees, Rays, A's, Twins. Like, those teams should be at the top. Cubs, too. Like, those seven teams should be in some form or another the top seven or eight or nine seats, right? Like, and that's what I expect to happen. But beyond that, don't make
0: yeah one of the other things, too, that I was thinking of, um especially today with the game being postponed and rescheduled for a double header, they have three double headers coming up in the next five days. The Yankees do. Um, yeah, not fun. this is this also means something. I mean, you're also playing now seven innings. I mean, so essentially you're playing, Multiple 14-game innings. Let's let's go at it that way, that direction. So your bullpen's going to be messed up. Your rotation's probably going to be messed up. You you could have Garrett Cole go an entire game. You could have him go seven complete innings, depending on obviously uh, what his stuff looks like tomorrow. But the issue is you're going to also put a put out different lineups. You're going to face several different pitchers. It's just going to be it's going to be a shit show. Pardon my French. But I have to apologize first. Yeah, to Allison's me. Allison's
2: not allowed to curse because her parents listen, and she doesn't want to get in trouble with her parents for cursing. Uh, I just gave a blanket apology one time, like, "Hey, Allison's parents, I'm really sorry that I'm I'm from New York, so this is just gonna happen. I can't. <laughs> it's just gonna happen." Yeah, my I,
1: that's that's fair.
0: I love that. But in reality. I mean, all these doubleheaders that are coming up and obviously they're games that are being made up that are being canceled due to the virus or, or other sort of instances and stuff like that. You know, now you're running into this problem with the Yankees is that they're going to be playing these seven inning games, which honestly, in my mind, and maybe I'm incorrect, you know, definitely need feedback on this. It's a totally different mindset than playing a regular nine inning game. because looking into a nine-inning game you're like okay you know Garrett or let's say Masahiro Tanaka he's starting the second game Masahiro Tanaka probably going to give you five good innings then at that point you're going to your eighth and your ninth inning guy if the game is close if it's a nine-inning game five innings you've got that maybe middle reliever you might have a Chad Green in there maybe Luis Sessa who kind of looks like trash this year but regardless um and then you're going into the ninth inning guys so really it's it's totally different mindset to me is Am I on the right track
1: here? I would agree. Uh, especially like in a seven game inning, right? You, you throw Garrett Cole out there, your expectation, and it's, it's proven uh, that the Yankees' plan is to extend Cole as much as possible. He's got to go 110 pitches, six to seven, eight innings every single time. Yeah, I think like,
2: he threw 107 last week before yeah. he had an absolute meltdown when Boone wouldn't let him get that last out of the seventh like, inning. I loved it. I loved, loved it. I,
1: yeah. As as a fan of baseball, it's great to see just like, you know, pitchers wanna stay in there. But that's that's clearly the Yankees' plan is to we will we will extend Cole and maybe put him in risky situations just because he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball and we have that sort of confidence in him. And so in a seven game inning, your expectation is he's gonna go the full way. Like that's what you're hoping for, is that he's going to pitch all seven innings. Then in the second game, right, you could sort of go out there and start. Let, let's say if it is Tanaka. If Tanaka doesn't have it, you can still sort of come back with a Jonathan the or a Chad Green and still be okay under normal circumstances. But since you have so many doubleheaders coming up, right, You know, you sort of have to ask yourself, all right. If it is game two, do I go with Lewisega here so that way he pitches three innings and then I can go with Tanaka in a normal nine-inning game and maybe he can give me a little bit more length so that way I can save my bullpen? I mean, that's not an easy question to answer, right? Like, do you go with a guy who's going to be arguably really good for those three innings? Like, John Lewisega has been really good this year and he's been really good in those three innings. He's got a strikeout percentage close to 30. He's got a walk percentage. I think uh right now so he's doing well and of you just sort of ask yourself like, with a starter who could potentially go the full way the other game and then like come back the next day with a starter and then like boom another double header question repeats itself like this is sort of you know the cardinals have to ask themselves this question a lot the Mets are going to have to ask themselves this question a lot. The Marlins are going to have to ask themselves this question a lot. Like, all these teams that have missed time because of COVID, right, they're sort of running into the situation of do we bullpen or do we start? And the Yankees are lucky in that they have a lot of depth. Uh, you know, in their They have a league.
2: lot of bullpen arms that can go multiple innings, like a little Hold yeah. Holder, I'd be fine with two innings. Yeah. Michael King could give you three to four. Yeah.
1: I mean, the fact that they have – and they could call up Debbie or Schmidt at mm-hmm. any point if they wanted to, but to do basically the same thing. The fact that the Yankees have that, I think they're I think they realize they're very lucky because if they didn't, you know, and they're somebody like the Cardinals or like the Mets, you know, really like the Mets, they would be struggling, right? The Mets have basically Jacob de Grom and then they sort of figure it out from there. Like that's that's their game plan. And I'm not crapping on the Mets in any regard of like, oh, the Yankees are better than the Mets. Like, yeah, obviously that's true. But like the can. point is like yeah, <laughs> I'm, there, are, there are people on Twitter who do that too much, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, but that it's sort of just the reality is that the Yankees are very fortunate for that. And if people sort of talk about, oh, the Yankees need to get starting pitching. Sure, just because we don't know what's going on with James Paxton, it would be good for the Yankees to have starting pitching depth. But in reality, the Yankees are extremely fortunate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Paxton, where he – I mean, he dodged the biggest bullet of his entire career with yes. the, well, as soon as you say like elbow stiffness, forearm tightness, your first thought is UCL. This guy's getting Tommy John surgery. He's done. And yep. who is going to sign him at 32 years old coming off Tommy John surgery to a decent contract. They might still get a chance. Speaking but Speaking of was signing
1: cool. him, if you're the Yankees there, if there is anybody I would resign, it'd be Paxson because he's going to come in so much cheaper than what he should be. He's probably a guy who gets like a three-year, like 16 to 20 average annual value. Now he's looking at like a two-year, maybe 14 to 15 average annual value. So, uh, yeah, I would I would definitely like – I would sign him to a two-year, $30 million deal. Absolutely. No problem. Like,
2: that was like so-
0: –
1: 2 years ago at the when the Rays
2: signed Charlie Morton for 2 years 30 million I was like oh, why weren't the Yankees in on that like Charlie yeah, Morton's
1: a really good pitcher and that's a really affordable contract I think I think what Morton pretty much Morton was like looking at 3 places and Tampa was one of them and the, he pretty much just like I'm either going here 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 and that was it and the Yankees just weren't on that list Yeah the Yankees just weren't on that list for what really uh, blew my mind is Maybe I was a little biased because I have some personal connection to J-Hap was that they signed J-Hap over Lance Lynn. That was the one that really didn't make sense to me was Lynn's.
2: Yeah, Lynn Lynn was always good for uh, uh, five innings of pretty quality pitching. I mean, he wasn't going to work deep into games for us. He does now, but he, he was good enough for a fifth starter.
1: And his peripherals were solid. Like he had a really good FIP, mm-hmm. he had a really good uh Sierra, he had really good DRA and PCRA and sort of like so the all the indicators were like, Yeah, sign Lin. He's probably the guy that's gonna be better moving forward. And then they were just like, Nope, we'll take hap and I was like, All right. And they they looked at half and they were
2: like, he pitches really well against Boston his entire career. So let's, let's go get that guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: They're looking at the AL East numbers. That was essentially all they looked at. Um, because I definitely agree. I, I know Lance Lynn, he was only there for a short period of time, but he made quite the impact. Like, I don't know how else to describe it.
2: So, yeah. Um, yeah, but I I was actually I had Jay Happ on my on my fancy little list here cuz he had some choice quotes for the media today.
1: He did. And like from his perspective, I can totally understand of like not getting enough starts to get that best thing option. I get it. I get that that can be frustrating, but also you're just not pitching well. And uh my K-war partner, we sort of looked at Jay Happ together and we just realized why he's not pitching well is he's just old. his fastball doesn't have the same spin. It's lost a little bit of efficiency. It doesn't have the same velocity. So for a guy who has to live up in the zone with his fastball, it's dropping down a bit more. It doesn't spin as well. And it's just not as fast. So all that just points to you're old. Like that's just the reality of it. It sucks, right? Like, you know, people get old and they start performing well, but that's the truth is that he just got old.
2: Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The Yankees don't want to pay him seventeen million dollars next year to give this kind of production. The Yankees yeah. are a smart organization. They want to do the opposite of that. They want to pay seventeen million dollars a year to a good pitcher, and it's just not Jay Happ anymore. Say so you know it. The Yankees know it. Everyone else knows it. Uh, I mean, you don't really have to air that out in the media the way he did it. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's he was he was prompted to do it, but it was a little bit a little bit
0: chippy for me. I mean, honestly, like I, he's understandably frustrated. I totally get that. And I'm sure the Yankees get that too. But at the same time, like James was saying earlier, I think it was off the podcast, but basically like the Yankees, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing and trying to make sure he doesn't reach that vesting option. And, you know, it's it's become fairly obvious, but there's also the fact that Jay Happ is going out there, you know, every, well, Not necessarily every fifth day because they really have been cutting his starts down, but he's still delivering a six point three nine ER rate.
1: I mean, just and it's not like the, the peripherals are actually worse. Like it's not like, oh well, you know, his numbers might say he's gonna get better. No, his numbers might say he's gonna get worse. Like it it's just it sucks, right? Like it always sucks when a supposedly good pitcher and Pap has in his career, he was a good pitcher for the most part. They just get old. It just happens. And, it, you know, when people dog on him, I'm like, listen, yes, he's not very good. But it happens. He got old. The Yankees made a mistake. Brian Cashman made a mistake. It happens. You know, sometimes you just make the wrong call. And it's just, it sucks for everyone involved, of course. But, you know, it sucks even more for the fans who have to go out there and watch him pitch every fifth day and stink it up. And then hear these quotes and just sort of like, yeah, I'm sure that's extremely frustrating.
2: Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, also, you mentioned K-War. I know last time you were on, we talked about K-War. Uh, I don't remember if you were still developing it or if you had put it out yet. Uh, you also put out a new stat, G-War, that goes hand-in-hand hand with your K-War, correct?
1: Yes, it does.
2: So let's let's get a little, uh, a little explanation. Let's do K-War again because I know we probably have people listening to this who didn't listen to the last time you were on uh, who might not know what K-War is yet. And then I want to know what G War is.
1: Okay, sure. So K War is sort of like regular old FanGraphs War for pitching, but instead of FIP as its central component, it has what is called either KWERA or QUERA. We're not entirely sure what it's called, but it's spelled KW and then ERA. So I just call it KWERA, and that's what its central component is. And it's sort of just what would your ERA be if we only looked at strikeouts and walks and as i've said before strikeouts and walks are a really good indicator for future success right if you're limiting the amount of balls in play you're sort of limiting the randomness of baseball right like there's a reason Garrett cole was the best pitcher in baseball last year is because he struck out a lot of people so you know he just limited contact and that's a good thing um and so k war sort of tries to put create a war statistic around that too hypothetically be able to tell all right if someone's k war is higher than their fan graphs war or the baseball reference war we might ind- indicate look at them and go all right that's someone to look at who might be better next year g war basically does the same thing except instead of kwera it's ground ball kwera which is your strikeouts and walks and ground balls sort of all formed into one era estimator and I think everybody will agree in today's age ground balls are bad from a hitter's perspective, right? Like ground balls lead to outs. I mean, there's that famous Josh Donaldson, you know, segment on MLB tonight, right. Where he says ground balls are outs. Anybody, you know, any coach who's telling their kid to hit behind the ball and hit it on the ground is like wrong. Right. And he's right. Ground balls are outs.
2: Yeah. That only works in little league when a pop fly doesn't leave the infield.
1: Correct. Right. Like, you know, Ground balls are outs in the big leagues, right? You know, you might look at a team like Boston and say, well, they're just, they only convert 67% of ground balls into outs. So are ground balls really outs? Yes, ground balls are still outs just because one team is really bad at fielding doesn't mean they aren't outs. But G War sort of does the same thing. And it's sort of like the flaw of K War was, I argue, that it does, it is both a flaw and a feature, is that it ignores balls in play entirely, right? And basically says, well, we're only going to look at as and walks. That's probably too much. And so G War sort of tries to compensate for that by saying, Well, let's look at ground balls too, because ground balls are good from a pitcher's perspective. And we sort of figured out that K-War and G War can explain a little bit more of next year's production, which is good. That's what we were hoping it would do. But it's it's sort of just another nice tool in the toolbox of like, all right, if someone's paragraph's war is 3.2, but their K War is four and their G is 4.2 or something like that, then I would tell people like, look out for that guy. I might be wrong, <clears throat> Matt Boyd, uh but <laughs> it's still it's still sort of useful to have that information, right? Like, you know, I I James, you had an incredible tweet once that was if your eye test is going against what the advanced metrics say, then your eye test probably sucks. Yeah, right? Like if you look at a pitcher and their K-war is higher and their G-war is higher than their F-war, you're probable conclusion was, yeah, I already knew that that guy had potential. It really isn't telling you anything that you don't already know,
2: which yeah that's that's what I always say about the advanced stats. Like if you really look at the advanced stats, all they're doing is explaining why a player is actually as good as he is and why he's this productive and why his team wins more games than the other team. It's not like a war on people's eye tests and what scouts have doing
1: have been doing for decades. correct. if you're if your eye test goes against the advanced metrics, like you said, then you're probably just not very good at what you think you are. Right. Like, yeah. that's just the reality of it. I, I remember when I saw that and I, I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen about the eye test. <laughs> James really nailed it. So I should get that pinned on my wall, that tweet, James, I'm going to frame it for you. And I High
2: praise you. I'll, I'll make it into a poster for you and I'll send it to
1: you. <laughs> I will. I will put it up in my room.
2: <laughs> oh man. But, but yeah. get, getting back to the Yankees. Um, it's wild trade proposal season. Uh, as you as you overheard earlier, I want to hear your thoughts on the people saying the Yankees might want to look into trading Aaron Judge.
1: Uh, what's that guy? I don't know what that guy. Is.
2: I uh, we know we're not. Uh, I don't want to reference him specifically, but yeah, we know who we're talking.
0: We don't about. want to call out that attention. We don't want to give the attention to something like that. No. But
2: we know who we're talking about. A ve- someone yeah. who should definitely know better based on his standing in the baseball community.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, listen, Aaron Judge is without a doubt a top 10 player. In my opinion, a top five player in baseball. To trade him for anything that is not, you know, a top five pitcher or a top five position player is mind-blowing. With a lot lot of
2: control, too. Yes.
1: Unless the offer is, you know, all trade Aaron Judge for, you know, a, let, you know, the the trade proposal was Aaron Judge and Miguel Andujar for Francisco Lindor and Mike Clement. If you had said trade Aaron Judge for Francisco Lindor, Shane Bieber, and, you know, maybe another pitcher, right? Then, like, you sort of kind of have to listen to it, right? Shane Bieber has emerged as a top-ten pitcher. Francisco Lindor is arguably a top-ten player, right? So, you and like, you have to listen to it. But, no, that wasn't the trade proposal. And from from Cleveland's perspective, you're throwing in Miguel Andujar. Like, nobody's going to notice that Miguel Andujar is probably not playing very well right now. But just trading Aaron Judge is mind-blowingly dumb from a baseball perspective, but also just from a PR perspective. How can you like live with yourself or live it down that you just traded your best player and the future captain of the Yankees most likely, and arguably one of the best players that has ever played in your franchise's history, right? And you've had a lot of really good ones. And so to sort of say like wow, yeah, let's just trade him for a starting pitcher who refuses to follow the COVID rules. And a really good shortstop. Don't get me wrong. Francisco Lindor is a really good shortstop. But he's not Aaron Judge.
2: No, he's not Aaron Judge. Uh, He's just
1: not. It's it's
2: one of those things where it's just – sometimes it comes down to, like with the Boston Red Sox last year, it comes down to this guy means so much to your fan base – That even if you are clearly getting the better end of this deal, you just don't make that trade. You just can't do it because he means so much to the community. And that's – a baseball teams are a business, but you also have an obligation to the community.
1: Yeah. You're you're a business because you make money off of your fans, right? So you have some obligation to the fans to do something. And like I said, listen, if, if the trade offer was like Shane Bieber, Francisco Lindor, and then like Clevenger and something else just for judge you listen to it right like you're you may not necessarily do it but you, you would be a bad gm if you didn't listen to getting a top 10 pitcher a top 10 position player and more for a top five player i'm not saying you do it but if you just outright ignore it like you're not doing your job at that point right i'm not you saying well, yeah. but at least listen to it but that wasn't even the proposal and i haven't seen one proposal from a fan that's been solid. Like every single proposal makes me want to. No,
2: like, but I don't uh, do any trade proposals. I won't do no. it to myself. I'm not going to put that out there. I'm not going to go into the trade simulator and say, oh, but look, these values kind of add up in this
1: that's trade it simulator. Like it sucks. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> do use it. every time I see somebody use it, I'm like, stop, stop.
0: No, it Don't just
2: do doesn't work for star players. And the only reason to trade a star player is if you're, I mean, if you're Cleveland, you're trading Francisco Lindor. Cause you're on record saying when we give Francisco Lindor $300 million, other, other teams are going to be paying their stars a billion dollars. So you've already come out and said, we're just not going to pay this guy. So get some value out of it. If you're just unwilling to pay him, get some value out of it, trade him besides the fact that this is, I mean, this is the heart and soul of the Cleveland Indians.
1: Yeah, trading Francisco Lindor is arguably going to be the second most damaging thing to their franchise in this past decade. Everyone knows the first, but, like, yeah, I mean, and that's sort of the other thing, too, is when people put out these proposals for trading for Lindor. He's going to be available, and the Yankees are a big suitor for him, but the reality is the Indians have a huge hole in the outfield right like huge hole they can't get a hitter a guy in the outfield to hit even like a single every now and again like they just can't do that for some reason their outfielders have been terrible the Yankees don't have that they have I mean they have Frazier right but the Indians are going to want more than that and then beyond that they really don't have anybody who can go out and be an everyday outfielder and produce like not
0: right that
2: away. they can afford to lose for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like Talkman and Hicks are not, you know, they can't trade them. Like, first of all, if you're trading Hicks, you better get a really good return because
2: Aaron Hicks is, is Brian Cashman's prototype in a lab. That's exactly who it was. Actually, I saw a stat today from Eno Harris. I gotta, I gotta bring it up on uh, Aaron Hicks and his K rate. That yeah, oh,
1: let's see, he was second in like. Reduction in K rate this year.
2: Yeah, biggest K rate improver since last year. Number one, Brandon Lau, throwback to earlier in the podcast. Number two, Aaron Hicks. And sure, yeah. his batting average doesn't look too good, but I mean, he's, he is producing.
1: Yeah, he's walking 20% of the time. He's still getting the occasional double. His problem is he's just hitting the ball on the ground too much. And this is not uncommon for people recovering from Tommy John. I mean, we saw it with Gene Gregorius last year and we saw it with Corey Seager and look at what Corey Seager is doing this year, right? Like guys who recover from Tommy John, position players, it usually takes about a year to fully get your strength back, right? To get that swing sort of going again. And you're seeing it with Hicks. But even when he's not getting a ton of hits, as as we just said, he gets on base. And that's all that matters. Like, just get on base and you're fine. Hicks is going to hit, ideally, in the front three spots. Every single time he should be getting on base for, you know, Aaron judge, for Luke Voigt and everything. And I also, let me say Luke Voigt, I don't know how this happened that a tweet of mine just praising Luke Voigt somehow came around to be the end of baseball. I don't, I don't know. How <laughs> I that remember happened.
2: that. I remember I, that.
1: <laughs> I don't know how like me saying Luke Voigt, pretty good hitter is somehow bringing about the why baseball is going downhill. Mind-blowing. Either way, Luke Voigt on fire. And so the Yankees sort of, they don't need to trade for Lindor and they're maybe not the best trade partner for the Indians, but the Yankees, they're not going to make a big splashy move. We've seen that, that when it comes to trades, it's usually in the off season that they make a big splashy move, right? But in the regular season, pretty rare. Uh, So it's it's more likely that they go and get guys, like, you know, I think, you know, today, what was the board?
2: Taiwan Walker.
1: Yes. That's that's the
2: guy that they're looking at from Seattle.
1: Yeah. He is a low-risk, high-reward kind of guy. And that is the phrase that kind of defines Brian Cashman's tenure as as the Yankees GM, right? A lot of low-risk, high-reward moves. And he would be a guy, if he's healthy, he could still throw 96, 97 and still miss bats. But it's much more likely that they trade for a guy like him or Kevin Gosman then they go out and trade for Mike Clevenger or they go out and trade for a Dylan Bundy, right? Like that's just the reality of it. But yeah, it's not going to stop fans from, from trying, right? God, If I see another trade proposal that involves John Carlos, Dan, I'm going to lose my (laughs) mind. Oh my God.
2: Allison, you want to add to that?
0: (laughs) Well, I just really want to say any sort of trade proposal that involves Mike Clevenger is automatically being thrown out the window. No, no. That's a big no for me. Sorry. I don't care how good of a manager he is. He doesn't care about his team. He doesn't care about his teammates. I just, I don't want it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Clevenger, just not really the best guy in general. Just, you know, he's had past, you know, he cheated on his ex, you know, his ex wife when he had a kid, right? Uh, He ignored the COVID rules. However one might feel about Trevor Bauer, Trevor Bauer brings a lot of baggage, and so being his best friend is not necessarily a good sign either. Uh,
2: <laughs> I love but, Trevor Bauer, but only because he is just like – he's stirring up every drama at every possible turn, and I'm just having fun with that.
0: I think- Trevor Bauer is good from a distance. Like, I will definitely respect the drip. I guess that's what the term is. I don't know.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> <Definitely>.
0: <laughs> I, I respect, like, the T and everything he's doing right now for the game. But I like it when he's over there. If he comes here, I'm not going to like it as much. And besides, isn't Garrett Cole, like, his worst enemy? Don't they just hate each other? So that's another dynamic you don't want to bring to the team. Like
1: Trevor Bauer is never going to be on the Yankees. Like, There's no chance. I, I can tell you that for a fact. The other thing about, like, just listen – it's not necessarily a good sign for your sport when a guy who's really out vocal and has a lot of issues like you know has said a lot of bad stuff on social media said a lot of bad stuff to reporters and stuff is one of the most vocal players and is really well liked because he's vocal that's not a good sign from the marketing aspect of your sport when a guy who's that problematic is one of the more like liked players in baseball because he just Two hours credit, every time he makes a point about the marketing in baseball and how players interact, he's right. Like, I'm not going to sit oh, there. Oh, he's
2: absolutely right. Yeah, like, that doesn't mean that he's the right person to fix it, but he's definitely exactly. right.
1: He's he's 100% right in how he analyzes the future and the marketing of the game. He's absolutely right. And I will never argue with him about how he views baseball. And, you know, it's he does a lot for people like me because of his use of data analytics and driveline and, like, Pitch design and everything you know he helped me that forefront of what is now like a big part of my work and what I do, right, but sometimes I just sit there and I go, could it have been literally anybody else just like anybody else just just why did it have to be him like but he does at the end of the day, does he do more harm does he do more good than harm is sort of the question, and the answer is probably yes, he probably does do more good than harm, so it's fine I would not. You know, if I were an executive, I'd sort of be cautious just because he, on the baseball field he's been wildly inconsistent. Like, you know, yeah, he's
2: 20, like Cy Young candidate one year,
1: absolute train wreck the next year. 2017, okay, not that great. 2018, amazing, really good, really really good that year. 2019, not good, very very not good. Had had some signs that he could get better this year, been really good again, and sort of just like. Okay, what version of Trevor Bauer are we getting? You know, that's sort of like something you have to ask yourself. But this all sort of drains. This is what happens when Yankee fans make terrible trade proposals go yeah, down. Yeah, we,
2: we get bogged down in this.
1: <laughs> and it just diverts into everything, and it's madness.
2: Oh man. All right. Allison, do you have anything else for the Yankees? Cause if not, we're going to get to the real reason that I I had Max come onto the podcast, <laughs> the real trash talk that I'm still, I'm very upset with him and I want everybody to know why, but let's finish up with the Yankees before we get there.
0: I mean, I guess just the big thing going on obviously is all the, uh, all the disgusting IL since. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous again. And I know that next man up was a wonderful motto for the last two years and it was inspiring, but in a 60 game season, I just feel like it's mocking them and I hate it. So I'm not a fan of this. Obviously a lot of people are saying it's because of um, a condensed spring training or summer camp as you would call it. But I just, I don't know. I feel like there's not enough yoga. I still, I'm, I'm going to stand by it. Not enough yoga.
1: I don't like, I don't know what the explanation is. And I was sort of, I've been talking about this with a bunch of different people. And like, I come back to this quote from John Oliver about something completely else, you know, something completely different. He was talking about conspiracy theories. And that sometimes the answer to like, why bad stuff is happening is just, bad stuff just happens, right? There's no plausible explanation and stuff. And, you know, I keep coming back to like, the Yankees get hurt a lot. And I'm sort of like trying to figure it out. sort of what I've just come to the conclusion is that it just happens and like, it's just insanely bad luck. And maybe people don't like that answer, right? Like there's gotta be an explanation, right? Maybe, yeah, maybe sure. They're not doing enough certain exercises. Maybe I don't really know, but you know, from just an outsider's perspective, my point of view is just, just sucks. Like it's just bad luck. I mean, as just a baseball fan, you want to see John Carlos stand and play, right? Like when he was, and he was mashing. Too. Like he to start was, the uh, season,
2: yeah, he was he came out of the gates hot.
1: Like he was playing, and then even when he slowed down, he was still getting on base. It was like we were seeing the best version of John Carlos Stanton at the plate that he, we had seen since 2017. Like this was his 2017 self at the plate. That's how good he was looking. And it sucks when he gets hurt. It sucks when Aaron Judge gets hurt. It sucks when GJ LeMahieu gets hurt because those guys are good, and you want to see them play. Baseball is better when the best players play. But it's sort of just like. When people are like, oh, we got to fire this guy. We got to fire this guy. We got to fire this guy. Listen, slow down. In a 60-game season, an increase in injuries was always going to happen. Like, there was no avoiding. It sucks that I feel – I think the person I feel the worst for is Tommy Canley. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, he, he lost this year and next year, and he's going into free agency. He just lost on a few million dollars in his life because of a 60-game season that arguably shouldn't be happening. And he's just not gonna pitch. And that sucks. It sucks so much. We're big Tommy
2: Canley fans here. So that was that was a rough one to stomach. I mean, I spent all summer writing about him playing video games. So
1: Yeah. And just he's a A, nice guy. B very good pitcher. Very, very good pitcher. He's a really good reliever. And it sucks to just sort of like have this happen to him, the guy who definitely doesn't deserve it, right? And like, but the you know, the answer of like why are they not why they keep getting hurt maybe it could be they're not doing enough stretches maybe it's just they're not drinking enough water maybe it's just that they're working too hard you know they're running they're trying too hard and putting their bodies through too much stress maybe it is all that another possibility is that it just happens and that sucks but like that's kind of the viewpoint i'm taking
2: totally fair yeah. I, I can get behind that
1: now is it time for James to yell at me about, like, not warning, not letting him know about a really yep. good picture on the San Diego
2: Padres. <laughs> yep. All right. So, as everyone is aware by now, I have adopted the Slam Diego Padres as my National League West Coast team because they're the most exciting team in baseball by far. And I got very attached to Denelson Lament very early and then learned that you said last year – two years ago, whenever, this guy is really good, and you never once told me.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have let you know. Yeah, I. you know, I, as I have said before, I worked at SIS last year, and I did to Nelson Lumet very first start of the season. And, like, his, like, third pitch, he hit 98 from top. And this guy come recovering from Tommy John, right? So, like, you know, the velocity is always going to be in question. And he hit 98 on his, like, third pitch of the game. And I was like, oh, damn. And then all of a sudden he's breaking out that double slider thing that he does where he throws two different versions of his slider and i was just like oh this guy's good isn't he he's going to be really good and then i did his 16 start uh, 16 strikeout start in six innings against milwaukee last year And after that, I was sold. I was like, this guy's going to be a stud. And he's San Diego's best pitcher.
2: And apparently... You waited until this year to tell me about him. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) I'm so sorry. I should have let you know sooner. I should have told you if you had a fantasy team to pick up the Niles and LeMet. Because I kept telling people, like drafting Allison lament he's gonna be really good
2: i will say yeah, i'm man. trying to trade for him i i did agree to a trade for him in my fantasy yeah. league and i've all i'm trying to do is get the person to just accept the fucking trade already he's driving me up the wall i wanted him in my lineup two weeks ago and he's just driving me crazy
1: i'm sure the arizona diamondbacks are happy that they don't have to see him ever again this year because oh, he yeah. was demolishing i think he boy, did he take a no hitter Against the Diamondbacks into like the fifth inning and three straight starts against them or something, yeah, something wild like that. Yeah, and no, like, he was
2: oh he was no God. hitting them like easily, and he that didn't stop after that. After they got a hit, he was still just making them look foolish at the plate. And I'm like, this guy is so filthy.
1: <laughs> He's so like when he on opening day didn't he hit like hundred miles per hour or something like that, right, in his first start of the year. Just yeah,
2: easy. I think I, Paddock pitched opening day, but his first start of the year, it was I mean, it was immediately like, all right, this guy might be a Cy Young candidate this year.
1: Yeah, and he, he has been. Like, he should finish somewhere around the top. He's definitely finishing in the top ten. But he's going to mm-hmm. finish around the top five. In Cy he's going to get votes. He's going to get votes because he's good. He's really good. The San Diego Padres are just so fun. i It was so bogus, as you, as you guys talked about. You put it perfectly. That it was bogus that Tatis had to even, like, apologize for that. But I love the fact that they followed it up and just said, we're going to go on a rampage against the entire state of Texas and nobody's going to stop us. They hit four home, four grand slams in four games and five grand slams against the entire state of Texas in, like, seven games against them. They were just like, Texas is ours now. And They took just-
2: one game off. I thought it was done after 4-2, and then they loaded the bases for Jake Cronenworth, who has been an absolute revelation this year. Yep. That's like, that's one of those trades where you say, oh, like the Tommy Pham trade to San Diego. Maybe it's maybe it's not working out. He's hurt. Maybe he's not doing as well. And now all of a sudden it's the Jake Cronenworth trade where you yep. just get this guy as a throw-in and it turns out he is going to be the rookie
1: of the year. I mean, what's what's so amazing with the Padres was they had such a clear shift in their approach in what they were looking for in the offseason. They've got Trent Grisham, who is... Really good, and I was surprised Milwaukee decided to trade him. Because look, I know, and that like I know fans were down on him because of that play. Like, listen, that play could have happened to anybody. The ball clearly takes a very weird hop yeah. in the wild card game. Like, yes, it benefited me a little bit, but just it clearly takes a bad hop. But to give up on him so quickly seemed rather strange. And Grisham is good, but what Grisham's really good at is plate discipline. What is Tommy Fan really good at? Plate discipline. What did they trade away? They traded away Hunter Renfro, doesn't really walk a lot. Nope. They traded with Luis Urias, who also didn't really walk a lot in his minor league career. And so now they sort of got these guys, you know, they got Hosmer, who he do, he is doing better this year at hitting the ball in the air. Somebody finally told him, hey, stop hey, hitting launch angle. the ball yeah, you're you're not very good when you hit ground balls. So hit the ball into the air a little bit more. And he was like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. And he's seeing the success of that. Um, and Machado's always had pretty good on-base skills, right? And Tatis has shown a pretty decent ability to work counts and get on base. But then you throw in Pham, you throw in uh, Grisham, and it's sort of just like, yeah, they were... And Myers, right? Like, they clearly knew what they wanted to do, and they're seeing the success of what a smart front office does offensively like they were just like we're, we want guys who get on base because if you get on base we're more likely to score runs pretty, what, what a pretty
2: easy math <laughs> yeah
1: like, it's, like and they're yes they are objectively the most fun team in baseball watching them play baseball is just awesome like whatever I don't know how good Fernando Tatis will end up being in his big league career but I hope he ends up being a Mike Trout level player just because god damn he's so much fun He's just absolutely so-
2: he does it all he does it all with such swagger too like yeah. he dropped the bat flip of the year almost immediately and it's yeah. just he's just it's so much fun man I just can't stop watching the Padres they're actually about to start in four minutes I might have to cue that one up
1: yeah they're but. just they're such a fun team to watch just because they play the game like everyone should play the game like they want to be out there like you, listen there's something to be said for some like professionalism and everything like that. And like, yeah, there are things you do and don't do on a baseball field. You know, one of them is throw at people in my opinion, don't do that. But another is like when people sort of talk about like, Oh, don't backflip. I think we've done pretty well with the backflip, right? Like we're sort of like realized like backflipping is good. Like we, we, yeah, sort it's, of fun. it's fun. That's yeah. fun. But you know, pe- my response is like, if you're a pitcher and someone backflips, if I strike you out the next time, like, let's say someone, you know, Fernando Tatis hits a home run off me. If I strike you out the next time, I'm going I'm to throw it in your face right back. Like, you bat flipped, I'm going to let you know I struck you out.
2: That's what Strowman more- always said. That's what Strowman's yeah. like, yeah, like, go, you know, disgrace my family with your bat flip. But when I get you next time, I'm going to strut it back to the dugout.
1: Yeah, exactly. I got no problem with that. Like, that's good baseball in my opinion. Juan Soto's little shuffle thing that he does, great. You don't like it, strike him out. <laughs>
2: You do want a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch? Don't throw a bad 3-0 pitch.
1: Not really not. Like, listen, people probably, like, made it, probably overhyped it, mainly just because Tangler just handled it so poorly, right? Like, just don't throw your own player under the bus. But Mm-mm. in reality, just like, who cares? Telling professional athletes to take plays off is just dumb. It's stupid. It will always be stupid. If, if you throw a 3-0 pitch, That is 91 miles per hour and low in the zone in today's game. Yeah, and you're shocked when it gets crushed. Are you really that shocked? Like, you threw a bad pitch. It got crushed. What do you you want from them? Unbelievable. Unreal. Unreal that it was a topic in baseball for a week.
0: You know, I think the best part was that, like, MLB was, well all the different coaches were upset about the uh, the 3-0 Grand Slam, and then they're celebrating the fact that the Padres hit four Grand Slams in four straight games. And I'm like, you know, this wouldn't have happened unless that Grand Slam didn't happen. So are we going to celebrate it or not? Like, I'm confused. There's mixed messages here.
1: Yeah. Baseball is such an old man sport for no reason.
2: To that point, I actually will say in support of all the fun we're having this year that they released the MLB ratings uh, a few days ago and baseball is very far down with men 55 plus, but it is very high up with people 18 to 24 and women.
1: Yes, it was led by young people, women, and which is great. Like This is, you know, people will get upset about everything nowadays so that's not really the point, but like we need more diversity in sports like it's just reality, right we need especially baseball like baseball is extremely whitewashed like
0: I absolutely love
1: the game, but it is it is extremely whitewashed so to see the ratings being led by women was just like such a such a moment of joy for me just like to see like yes finally we are MLB is realizing like women really like baseball right like it's not like allison so allison is one of the best fans on twitter she's a wonderful fan and what does edmund do they ignore her for years years yeah yeah you tell them but now their story is like oh maybe we should cater to allison a little bit more yeah (laughs) you should (laughs)
0: Not hard concept. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree. And it makes me very, very happy, but also very, very scared in a way because I'm like, oh my God, these women, they're just going to, they're going to leap over me. Now they know, they know about baseball and it's going to bother me. So, you no know, no one's
2: going to leap over you, Allison. You're a mainstay. You got the OG Yankees Twitter vouch from Keith McPherson. That's, I mean, that's <sighs> as OG as it gets.
0: But it's also really nice to talk to more women about the game, too, because it's a whole, a totally different perspective, too. And, you know, I'm going to say this. Men and women look at completely different things, too. Sometimes, like James and I were talking earlier, I look at the most obscure, ridiculous stats. And I'm like, this should be a stat. And it's not. So, you know, it's one of those things where everything has so far catered to men and regular stats. And I'm like... Women notice details. Okay, gentlemen, just remember this, okay? Women <laughs> notice details. So, therefore, I'm going to look up every single first pitch that Clint Frazier has seen, whether it's a ball, a strike, swinging, check swing, whatever. I'm looking it all up because that's the shit I notice.
2: She spent like an hour in our in our website's group chat trying to figure out where she could find Clint Frazier first pitch swing stats.
1: Uh, baseball savant. There it is.
0: Ooh, thank you yes uh yeah no i mean
1: what you said is true that that women and men consume things differently right and that perspective is needed and like we sort of i two you know i don't think anybody is necessary i mean it's not necessarily a good sign that the the sports organization that has handled what's currently going on in today's society the best is nascar right like that's pretty not that just feels so wrong yeah that's pretty not great and to nascar's credit they did really well like, oh they nailed the yeah they regardless of whether it was actually a news or not they stood by their driver and that was what mattered right and in today's society like just getting different perspectives is so important like learning from somebody who might not necessarily understand from like just they have a different view about the game than you do because their life has given them this perspective on life and their and the game of baseball is so important like it's just so valuable to listen to somebody else who's different than you talk about a sport because you might understand something from a, just a different perspective you know I have spoken to uh black baseball fans who have said like it's hard to watch the game sometimes because you know you you go and a lot of times when you're young you look at the sports and you want to see yourself in the sport right Right now, a lot of young African men can't see themselves in baseball because you know, it's not just a lot of baseball. That's bad, in my opinion, that sucks. I feel so bad that people can't watch a sport that they love and see themselves in it, right? Like that makes me sad. And so to see MLB's ratings being driven by women sort of like invigorates that feeling I have of like, yes, continue to do this, like continue to push towards non-straight white men, like continue to do all that stuff that you need to do and you will get more fans. Like I promise you, if you stand up for social equality and social justice issues, yeah, you'll get the you know crotchety old men who will be mad, but you will get more fans. Like if you stand up for what's right, if you stand and make the game more marketable to people our age and women and people of color, you will do better. I promise you that. Look at the NBA. Look at what they're doing. Their ratings are perfectly fine because they allowed their athletes to voice their opinion. Amir Garrett is going on Twitter every single day and demanding justice. And I'm sure that he has gained more fans now. I love Amir
2: Garrett. I would have never known who Amir Garrett was before. I mean, before the Pittsburgh fight. It's just not something that he wouldn't have popped into my, into my stratosphere of baseball Mm -hmm. playing for the Reds. Like the NL central might be the division. I watch the least in baseball and as good as Garrett is, he just never would have popped in before the fight. And then now with the players league that you market him and he's a lot of fun, he plays well. uh, And with all this social justice stuff going on, you say, this guy is, I mean, he's putting it on his shoulders. And he's, yeah. like, he's trying to help the community, and he's also striking literally everybody out.
1: Yeah, I mean, those are all good things. Like, it's just, baseball has such a problem with expression, right? Like, being yourself, expressing yourself. Like, that's why Clint Frazier, as you guys talked about last week, is just sort of, like, fallen through and, like, got criticized by the media because he was very expressive of who he was. And that's a good thing. But the Yankee media kind of, like, shut him down on that when he first got here. Right, and they were yeah. Kinda, we love
2: him for that, but the Phil Mushnicks of the world hate that.
1: Yeah, right. But that's good. That is objectively a good thing when he's expressive when he's talking about things that matter, and he's sort of saying like, "Yeah, I'm wearing a mask because it's just the right thing to do." That's a good thing. Like, and somehow it became controversy because it was Clint Fraser, as you guys said. Like, you guys nailed it. It became controversy that Clint Fraser was wearing a mask simply because he's Clint Fraser, and that's yeah. Nobody went
2: after Didi Gregorius
1: for that. No. If anything, they were praising Dee because Dee, they're like, oh yeah, he's at risk. Like it makes sense. And I was like, <laughs> how is it how is it fair when Didi Dee Dee does it but Clint does it? And it's sort of like the same thing. How is it fair for, you know, a white athlete to speak out about social injustice? But when a black athlete does it, they're just an angry black man,
0: right? That's not fair. <laughs> but it happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I mean Go ahead. I, no, I was just going to say, I mean, even like with the, the Reds broadcaster um, this past week, who was uh, let go for yeah. making some uh, homophobic comments, um, or I believe it was a slur. I didn't even really see. It the was exact bad. Terminology. It was bad. But was- all I know is that I went on Twitter the next day and several Reds players had come out and say, you know, listen, like. I'm really sorry that you, you felt attacked and you were, um, you're, you're put in this position. I just wanted to let you know, we're here for you. We understand and we, we support you you know one of those things too i mean it's you're seeing all these players come out and speak about all these social justice issues and obviously like you said there's going to be people that are that are crotchety and just you know set in their ways and really not um supporting of of people that are different than them and we're seeing a lot of really good people come out of major league baseball that honestly we wouldn't have known they were good people because all we see is what they show us on tv they're a good ball player but are they really good people
1: yeah i mean it's that was perfect i mean you described it perfectly but i think it's just so important and this is just for life in general my viewpoint on life is very simply if those who are most affected by something say it's wrong or they say it's right who am i to argue with them right Well, if african americans say that they want to talk about policing in this country because they've been unfairly treated by it. I I am wrong if I disagree with them. They are the ones most affected by it. So when Amir Garrett comes out and says, like, this is very personal to me, when Mookie Betts comes out and says, this is very personal to me, it is so frustrating to just see people say, oh, well, you make a bunch of money. You're a baseball player. You don't understand. It's like Tory Hunter, it was a borderline hall of fame level player. He had the cops raid his house. And put a gun in his face. And just because he was a baseball player, that's probably the only reason he's alive today. And that's horrible. That is horrible. And like just seeing what happened with the Toronto Raptors basketball president, the only reason that he probably didn't get arrested is because guess he was the Toronto Raptors basketball president, right? Like that's the only reason. And so when they come out and say that these things are wrong and we're I don't know, saying all our frustrations, those are good things inherently those are good things not just for baseball but they're good for society so anytime any fans just like keep politics out of sports my response to you is you are ignoring history <laughs> Like you just
2: can't all- nowadays it's just <laughs> not possible it's not it's disingenuous to ignore the social issues going on in the country when you have that platform especially with twitter now it's not like you have yes. to run to the news media and say i need you to write an interview." with me on this topic, you can just tweet now. All you do is tweet it out and you say, take a look at this, understand the problems that are facing the country. I mean, I, I studied city planning for years, so I am well aware of how the system is specifically designed, especially in New York, what yeah. people would call a liberal Haven, especially in New York, how easily it was designed just 50 years ago to oppress certain groups of people.
1: It still, it still is, like that's the, here's the reality, like again, this is very much not a baseball topic, but the reality is the police force was created and designed to oppress minorities, that is what it was meant to do. So when people say, hey, it's still doing that, why are you shocked? Like that's, it was literally formed to keep black people out of going into white neighborhoods. Like, that's what it was designed to do. That's what it is there for. And so when people are so upset, like, oh, there are a lot of good cops out there. Yeah, but they're still working in a system that is designed to put people down. And when people come out and express themselves about it, and when I see people, for the most part, they're praised, right? And that's good, they should be supported. But when I see people still saying, well, Colin Kaepernick still shouldn't take a knee because it's disrespectful to the troops. Are we still on this conversation? Like, how? How are we still talking about this? That's what, that's what, like, just really frustrates me to no end is just when people bring up these issues that are just not important, like, not at all relevant. Like, these people are just saying, we don't want to die by the hands of police officers. That's all we want. And your response is just, eh, I don't know.
2: Oh, you better comply then. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but. People who aren't complying also aren't they're not supposed to get shot.
1: They're, they don't you're not supposed to, to shoot people who don't comply. If you resist arrest, you don't deserve to die. Like it's not that hard of a concept. You don't deserve to die. Relatively ever, one might argue, right? Like if you're handling they Dylan Roof shot nine black people in a church and the cops arrested him. A guy walks back to his car and gets shot seven times. And Amir, and you have the audacity to tell Mookie Betts that it's not an issue. Because yeah. he gets paid a lot of money. Like, how is that fair? How is it? How are we a functioning society?
2: We're not. We're really not at this point. No. This is, it's no. been an absolute disaster.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think one of the big things too, and we've talked about this before, is a lot of people just view um athletes is just that athletes but they're human beings as well they have families they have their own fears they have their own concerns um you know this is all like obviously you know with everything going on in the world it's it's just mass chaos right now but i mean mookie bets, players like that that decide that this is something that's important to them we don't have a right to tell them it's not and it shouldn't be there's no way if something's important to someone and is you know a big issue to someone that's their decision it's a big issue
1: i I thought i think it was bill burr years ago said colin kaepernick's getting paid millions of dollars and he still feels this way isn't that a sign we should probably listen to what he has to say yeah yes like that's it that's all it matters is just like listen to these people just that's it uh, all we do is just listen to them and then we make decisions based off that we'd be fine but we don't Instead, we have people complaining every single night that they're kneeling for the anthem and that, oh, they get paid millions of dollars. Why are they complaining? And it's just on top of terrible trade proposals, on top of just like overall bitterness about how poorly the season's going in terms of like the rollout and how MLB is handling it. It's just like, it's been, I can't wait till the vaccine comes out. But until the vaccine comes out, please wear a mask. So that way we can stop the spread and things can go back to normal a little bit quicker.
0: <laughs> Just that's a helpful. little bit, but Just I think the, yeah, the big thing is underneath it all, you know, we are all human beings. Doesn't yeah. matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how big your platform is. We're all human beings. And yeah. I think that's what people forget.
1: I, I wholeheartedly agree.
2: All right. Well, uh, I think that seems like a pretty good place to end this yes. episode because holy real o'clock for the last half hour.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I I uh, those who know me know I obviously I work in baseball, so baseball is very important to me. But life is much more important. No, baseball. dude,
2: we're we're right in line with that, man. So, I
1: love how real we just got. Yes. Uh, so, I'm, I'm always keeping it real. Respect. Wear a mask don't vote for Donald Trump. If you have issues with them, I understand, but please, cannot take four more years of this. So vote, wear a mask, register to vote, love your neighbor, treat each other with kindness, and just for the love of God,
0: Wear a mask. And I, I do want to mention real quick that one of the players that has been very vocal and open about wearing a mask, aka Didi Gregorius, also made the game-winning throw
1: that was a um, nice one.
0: So listen, guys, like it doesn't inhibit you from doing what you want to do. Just if
1: Fraser can hit 440-foot dongs while wearing a mask, you can goddamn wear a mask in the store.
2: Absolutely. Um, all right, well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week, Max. Thanks for coming on again. I think this is like the fourth or fifth time that you've been on, so we don't we don't have any more guest questions for you, and I don't think they would be appropriate at this point.
0: I think
1: I build up i've built up enough for a report you guys haven't when i listen to the podcast you don't really have to make me do research because you're just like yeah i looked it up already and i'm like oh well that, i don't have to i don't have to check the tweets anymore i don't have to do that i don't have to do yeah. what i do for breaking balls you guys I mean, are James,
0: all- look he thinks
1: we're prepared what
2: what this is i made a list i made a list this is the first time i've ever done this
1: but every time you guys cite stats the stats are right so i don't have to say anything so i'm just sitting over here like no, well, now i'm just listening to enjoy it that's oh, no fantastic. I like involved, but I actually do enjoy. It. I mean, you take guys that, so Emily. Great. You guys, well, we love I Emily.
2: Like we Emily love too. Emily. <laughs>
1: yes, I like Emily too. But you guys are you guys are great. I love listening in every single week. You know, I've been trying to get separated from my past Yankee fandom, but I can't. I can't separate from this. You podcast. stay away. You can, can't Just can't
0: stay, stay away. away. We're that magnetic of personalities.
2: You can yes. come with us to Padres Twitter.
1: Yeah. I will support any Twitter group that's as fun as the Padres.
2: Absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Adios. Bye guys.